Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Ten Oxfording Pictures, number seven. Forgetting the ox, just sitting alone. The preface. This dharma is non-dual. Self and ox are one. As rabbit and snare differ in name, so fish and net are not the same. As gold comes forth from dross, so the moon emerges from the clouds. A shaft of its icy light, ancient even in the age of Eon. Verse, astride your ox, you've reached the hills of home. Letting the ox go, you too are at ease. The sun's risen three poles high, yet still you're dreaming. Your whip and rope hang idle under the thatched eaves. Good afternoon. Fall session 2021. It's been 25 years since we moved into what I still think of as our new place. But for 25 years before that, we wandered through the deep forest, well, the urban forest, from a small room at Syracuse University to a larger room in what was then called Community House, and from which we were kicked out because a fraternity would bring in more money. And then we landed in various temporary places, including two years 
in the wet basement of Grace Episcopal Church, various people's homes, and for 12 years in our renovated attic. And at last, 1996, we acquired this beautiful place with the formal opening and my installation as abbot by Edo Roshi here on October 18th of that year. I was thinking one of the things that makes Hoenji so special And it's not that I think this, but that so many people have told us this. It's a very special place. And I think one of the reasons is the longevity of our Sangha. Many of you go way back. Often I'll hear someone speak of starting out in my attic zendo or at a course I taught at a wellness center in Armory Square or at a class at University College. And some of you listening today go back to the earliest days at Syracuse University, including one of our founding members, Nikyu, whose health has been a bit precarious lately, but who is always sitting with us. This longevity this long steeping and maturing in Buddha's wisdom carries the warmth, grace, and love that characterize this group and gives newer students a sense that they've entered into something that has real substance. It's not something we've concocted. It has the richness of the tradition. It has a steadiness to it, a dependability, and that's of rare value, particularly in an era of such prevailing anxiety. 
As Jika said in her wonderful talk yesterday, she gets calls almost every day asking about the way. It's so great to be able to sit together in person again, isn't it? Gradually, with careful precautions. And it is wonderful to be able to give Teisho in the Zendo, live from Hoenji, Saturday night. <laughs> to all of you, whether here in this room or out in the vastness of digital dharma, So I'm continuing today with the 10 Oxfording pictures. Since we're in the year of the Iron Ox, most of you have been following along at each session as we've examined the verses to these 10 drawings by the 12th century Zen master Kakuan Shion, with a preface to each one by his Dharma heir, Jion Osho. We started on Parinirvana Day, February 14th of this year, with the first Oxfording picture. What was that called? Hmm? What was it called? I had to wake her up. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Seeking the ox. Mm. Searching for the ox. The ox, sometimes called the bull or the buffalo, signifies what? Our true nature. What about this? It seems so distant so inaccessible when we first start out. What is my true nature? Will I ever encounter it? How? How will I find it? Give me a manual. So actually, the 10 Oxfording pictures are just such a manual. We must train the ox, train the mind, train and train. 
consistently, energetically. We don't know what we're looking for. And that's great. No object. Just training, training, training. No knowing. Just sitting. Of course, we do know very well what the untrained mind feels like, right? Yeah? What's it feel like? Distracted. Distracted. Monkey mind. Monkey mind. Jumping from branch to branch. What else? Dis-ease. Dukkha. The real meaning of dukkha. Dis-ease. What else? Highly emotional. Hmm? Highly emotional. Highly emotional. Ah, this is happening to me. Ah. Or, oh, I want more of that. Where'd it go? Pull this way, that. What else? What's wrong with me? Sure, yes. Oh, there's something wrong with me. I really believe that. Now, this is not exactly faith in mind. But it's what we all have so firmly. Oh, yeah. This horrible reality that I call myself. Our fear, right? Fear about what's going to happen. Anxiety about the future. So, yes, this monkey mind, very busy, very distracted, jumping from thought to thought, memory to memory. Or the other one is sloth mind. Drifting along. Anywhere but here. And of course, you've looked at all this, right? You've looked at it. What goes on in the mind. And perhaps you've noticed that, as you put it, the belief in this, I'm no good, they all stem from a belief in that separate self, that self that is somehow feeling so at odds with what's around you, separate self, which tries to show itself as better than it feels. And that takes a lot of energy. So that ego entity, right? that must be protected at all costs. And what happens? It causes continued unrest or dis-ease and sucks us into a swamp of confusion, 
irritation, frustration, dukkha. So, feeling this way in the early stages and feeling that we have to do something about it. We don't want to be imprisoned by this feeling of separate selfhood, right? So one, we search for the ox. First picture, seeking everywhere for what we think we lack. And during these ensuing months since that first picture, we have found two traces of the ox. We've actually seen the ox. And number four, we've caught the ox briefly before it trotted off again into the mist. And then continuing our training, we've five tamed the ox. And last session at Daivasatsu Zendo, in the fragrant golden wind of autumn, we were able to what? Ride the ox. One more word. One more word. Ride the ox home. Very important. Ride the ox home. Good. And we have realized in that ride that wherever the ox goes is where we are meant to go. Our true nature always at home. And so that brings us to the seventh picture, the seventh verse today. Forgetting the ox, just sitting in the picture. There's no ox. It's just a figure sitting in a little thatched hut. No ox. What need have we of any such thing? Ox? Forget about it. Having returned home, having tasted, realized original nature, and then what? Grab hold. Grab hold of that original nature. 
give it all away. We sit alone and we are one with all. Nothing is superfluous. There is nothing lacking as the saying goes. No attachment, no such thing as attainment, no knowing, no gaining. In the Heart Sutra, we chant, no suffering, no craving, no extinction, no path, no wisdom, no attainment. Indeed, there is nothing to be attained. The Bodhisattva relies on prajna paramita with no hindrance in the mind. No hindrance, therefore no fear. So now we've come home. There's just this. And this is everywhere. Without differentiation or degree, Buddha tells us in the Diamond Sutra. Therefore it is called Supreme Enlightenment. It is straightly realized by freedom from separate personal selfhood and by cultivating all kinds of goodness. But then the Buddha pulls it out from under us. Such is merely a name. So to try to hold on to this freedom is to lose it. To make a thing of it is to get trapped again. To get tied up in knots again. As for goodness, it's just what we call the generous impulse that wells up unbidden from the mind of oneness, beyond comparison or degree, giving without attaching to giver, gift, or recipient. Without attaching means without evaluating. Are you worthy of my gift? 
None of that. Indeed, there is nothing to which we can attach. There is nothing to carry with us as the Buddha says. We heard this, right? This Dharma is like a raft. The Buddha teaching must be relinquished. How much more so misteaching? What is that misteaching? Where does that come from? hearing the teaching and thinking, oh, I'd better write this down. Any kind of formula? Any formula? Dogma. Making it into dogma. Thinking, I know what your problem is. Listen to me. I'll tell you all about it. Hmm. No need to carry that weight. And we've all been carrying that weight a long time. You can sing it. So this seventh Oxfording picture, let it go. The Buddha teaching must be relinquished. Are you carrying that ox? That's pretty heavy. So drop it. In the preface to this seventh oxerting picture, Jion Zenji says, this dharma is non-dual. Self and ox are one. It's that simple. Yet old habits die hard. We're accustomed to thinking there must be more to it. There must be something hidden there that I'm not getting. There must be some commentary that I can find that will make it clear. As we heard in yesterday's reading of Faith in Mind, the perfect way is not difficult. Just avoid getting caught up in preferences. Not difficult at all. Not complicated at all. But our default mode is to complicate things, right? Make it more complex. Surely it can't be as easy as this. And when we get caught up, then what? A tenth of an inch's difference. 
and heaven and earth are set apart. We're ensnared by that difference because we believe in it, that separateness. But having come to this point, by the seventh ox herding picture, we have experienced at least a fleeting moment of the non-dual nature of dharma, this fundamental oneness. And we know that what sets heaven and earth apart is not something out there, right? What sets it apart comes from within. Maybe some temporary blind spot, some long-held, long-believed-in karmic hindrance rooted in this sense of being cut off, being kept away, being shut out. But you know, that's just mistaken identity. We all have a case of mistaken identity. Who are we really? The good news is that there is no such thing as separate selfhood. So when we get caught there, that tenth of an inch's difference becomes a chasm. But we can say immediately, reminding ourselves, oh, return to the great way. Return to this never before, never again, one breath, and see it before our own eyes. As So San Zenji put it, be serene in the oneness of things, and dualism vanishes by itself. So typically we get caught up in the dualism, and we think that's the reality. But return, return. Be serene in the oneness of things. Have faith in this one mind. So coming from oneness, we must know differentiation, which is not counter to oneness, but is how oneness is actualized. 
This is a crucial teaching in Buddhism. Sameness and differentiation. Oneness and the many all at the same time. So as we recite in opening this dharma, may we completely realize and actualize the Tathagata's teaching. Actualize. If we cannot, then we fall into a pit characterized as Zen sickness. Attached to our samadhi, oh, I have to bottle this. This is really wonderful. I'm never leaving. This is going to be the way I am forever. Really? Then we're unable to act in the world of phenomena. Among the 10,000 things, we're deaf, deaf to the cries of countless suffering beings. Indeed, that is a sickness. Case 46 of the Mumonkan, the gateless gate, illustrates this. Some of you may remember, Sekiso Osho said, how will you proceed on from the top of the hundred-foot pole? And Chosa Keishin put it this way, you who sit on the top of a hundred-foot pole, although you have entered the way, you are not yet genuine. Proceed on from the top of the pole and show your whole body in the ten directions. So this is a wonderful koan to experience. To hurl yourself away, to give it all your fine samadhi, your incomparable supreme enlightenment, give it all away. Manifest your entire being in the ten directions, everywhere, wherever you're needed, there you are. Nothing held back, just actualizing. This is true compassion. Not what we think we should do to help others who should be free, but really just without any gap, manifesting actualizing 
This is genuine practice. Shugyo. So to show the workings of differentiation in this preface, Jiyo no Sho uses the similes of rabbit and snare, fish and net. Do you remember when I read this? Rabbit and snare, fish and net. What does he say? As rabbit and snare differ in name, so fish and net are not the same. When we want to catch a rabbit, how many of you have ever tried to catch a rabbit? Hmm. When you want to catch a rabbit, do you use a rabbit or a snare? Probably a snare, right? And when, and when you're engaged in that activity, what you want to catch in that snare is not a snare, right? It's a rabbit. Differentiation, right? Yes, you must know the workings of differentiation. And same is true of catching a fish. We use a net, not a fish, to catch a fish. We don't want to catch a net in the net. And then, what do we do once we've caught the rabbit? Well, I know all of us would just let the rabbit go, but just for the moment, think about it. What would you let go of? I'm going to hold on to this snare and put it in the pot with the rabbit. No, probably not. You let go of the snare. And the fish, once you've used that net, you let it go. So this is a simile, okay? Once we've, in a way, I'll use the word used, the ox, we let it go. Same with the ox. We searched, we tracked, we caught, we tamed, we rode home. And having done so, what do we do? No more need for the ox. Where would you go? The ox has brought you home. No need for the ox. This true nature has from the beginning been perfectly at home. So forgetting the ox, this seventh picture, no more need to worry about its whereabouts. There's no it apart from you as Jiyong Zenji said. And as Jika quoted Sosan Zenji's verse yesterday, 
one in all, all in one. If only this is realized, no more worry about your not being perfect. The third line of the preface, as gold comes forth from dross, so the moon emerges from the clouds. Once we have refined the ore, gold is gold and will always be so, even if it is hidden away in a treasure chest deep in the ground. Thus, even when realization seems to elude us, caught as we may be in some entangling delusions, just it's always there. It's never sullied by those delusions. It's always awaiting our rediscovery. Just as gold is as bright as ever when it is taken from that dusty chest and the dirt is wiped away. And just so with the moon emerging from the clouds. Two days before Seshin began, it was so clear. We had such a beautiful full moon, harvest moon. And the next night, clouds gathered. And then this morning, traveling over here from my house, a somewhat irregular disk. Luckily, there was very little traffic. I was driving like this. <laughs> The usual way of thinking is that the clouds are getting in the way of our appreciation of the moon. We want to see the full moon without any clouds hiding it. But really, it's the clouds that allow us to realize that this full moon, this full round moon is in our hearts, not out there, not bound by circumstances of the earth turning or clouds forming always right here in 
our hearts. And sometimes we may forget this. We may say, why can't I feel that? And again, projecting outward. Oh, something's in the way. Why can't I feel that full moon of my original nature? Why can't I see it? Do you ever feel that way? Why can't I see? And you can remember this. You cannot see it because you are it. And this is something we continually must remind ourselves about because it's so easy to feel as though the separation or the blindness is really the way things are. Jiyong concludes his preface, a shaft of its icy light, ancient even in the age of Eon. This chilly moonlight, shining from a time even before the birth of Eon Buddha. When was he born? A billion billion kalpas ago. So some time ago. And this is the light of our Buddha nature. From when did it originate? Before that Buddha who was born a billion, billion years ago. Long before. And when will it disappear? inconceivable, beyond, far beyond. Let's go to Kakuang's verse. He says, Astride your ox, you reached the hills of home. <clears throat> With faith in mind, letting the ox lead the way, we've come to our hills of home, our true home. And there is no need to drop a little trail of breadcrumbs so we can find our way in case we get lost in the future, right? There's no need to have a map of how we got here. There is no formula, Sabuti. We might say lost and found are one. The second line, letting the ox go, you too 
are at ease. It's T-O-O, but of course this is the non-dual nature. The two of you, ox and you, are one. What is this great ease? You too are at ease. What is this great ease? This deep session on the second day already feeling this ease. Then, of course, becoming pulled this way and that, but knowing that you have this within you, that you can return. This is so amazing. Once you have felt it, even a glimmer of it, you will never again be without it. And this is how faith is generated. So this great ease, really nothing more than feeling at home in our own skin. When action is called for, okay, just doing. When non-action is called for, okay, nothing doing. And the wisdom to know the difference is ours by this seventh picture. The wisdom, that wisdom can be called discernment. Coming from oneness at ease in differentiation. I'd like to offer a comment on this great ease by Yamaramumo Roshi. He was one of the greatest Zen masters of the 20th century. He was born, in fact, in 1900 and passed away in 1988. He was chief abbot of Myoshinji, Rinzai headquarters, and head of the Hanazono College there. He visited Daibasatsu Zendo with 60 of his monks in October 1976, right after the formal opening. And he had many eminent Dharma heirs, including Shodo Hara Roshi, whom he loved so much, his wonderful books, The Path to Bodhidharma, not one single thing, required reading of all my students. And his first successor was none other than Noritake Shunan Roshi, whom some of you met when he came on several visits to Daivasatsu Zendo and when he came to Hoenji in 2018. 
And it was Norotake Roshi who kindly made it possible for a few of us to go to Japan in 2017 for Hakuin Zenji's 250th commemoration at Ryutakuji. That was amazing. So it was Chigon Roshi, his wife Shuko-san, Myogen, Connor Keenan, his wife Kai, Mio-san, Mio Hirano, and myself who were there for that. So this ease, what is this ease that comes from long, dedicated, humble, sincere practice, no matter what circumstances may be, just continuing on, realizing there's nothing more to seek, and letting go of that long-sought ox. What is it? Mumon Roshi said, to have things is fine. Not to have them is also fine. To live is fine. To die is also fine. To be happy is fine. To be sad is also fine. If it rains, that's fine. If it shines, that too is fine. Every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. So I brought Noritake Roshi Shikichi and put it on the altar, which he gave when he came here. The third and fourth lines of Kakuan's verse. The sun's risen three poles high, yet you're still dreaming. Your whip and rope hang idle under the thatched eaves. Hey, the sun's already high in the sky. Did you sleep through your alarm? What alarm? No need for alarm. <gasps> what is this dream within a dream? And look at those implements you used all those years to spur yourself onward 
They're just hanging there, gathering dust in your thatched hut. There's nothing to chase after, nothing to prove. And here's a sneak peek. Tomorrow, we'll hear the four lines often referred to that end the Diamond Sutra. Think in this way of all this fleeting world as a star at dawn a bubble in a stream, a dewdrop, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.